Hello, Real Life family. This is Pastor Tim, excited to share again God's Word with you uh, as we continue a series called Home Improvement Relationship Edition. Today, I want to talk about being Jesus in our relationships with, the, with each other. Last week, I was talking about seeing Jesus, how God sees us, and if we could just see who we are through His eyes, that will help empower us to be able to see one another through his eyes as well. And that will change our interactions with one another. It's always good to see Jesus in each other. And today I kind of want to build off of that a little bit, but I want to change a little bit to be Jesus, okay? So we got to see ourselves the way God sees us, but then we can also be Jesus to one another. But before we get into the message real quick, just a couple of announcements I wanted to give you. We have a great marriage weekend coming up this weekend. February 18th and 19th, Friday night and Saturday morning. Uh, so you can sign up for this. It's a $50 conference fee for our marriage. Uh, it's going to be awesome. We have a comedian coming in on Friday night. We're going to have some simulcast sessions together. Going to have some food together. It's going to be a lot of fun and games and just a time to re really uh, reinforce our marriages and, and uh, build our marriages up. So I hope you can come. If you know someone, um, you can go online on our, our website or our app and you can sign up and pay online uh, and encourage friends to come. And if you're thinking about getting married, if you're engaged, this is a, an event for you too, okay? And then Sunday morning, um, we're going to be welcoming Pastor uh, Tim Forstoff and Rhonda Forstoff here to, to do a message on marriage. So we're really excited about that too. Also, we have the Man Up Conference coming in March 4th and 5th. Uh, where we're going to go down to Cornerstone Church, Pastor Tim Forstoff's church, and gather with like four or 500 other men for a weekend um, that Friday night, Saturday morning, and just get fired up and powered up as men of God. So I hope you can be a part of that too. That will also be accessible on our website and our app. And uh, you're going to be able to buy tickets through uh, Cornerstone through our link uh, to be able to make it to that conference, okay? Finally, if you stop by the church, you'll see we have a brand new John Deere tractor that we're raffling off to help raise money for our vision campaign to finish off our project of putting in a brand new parking lot and adding some basketball courts here. So if you're interested in buying tickets for $20 each, the tractor retails for just under $3,000. It's a great thing to do, be able to just help us raise money and maybe you'll win a new tractor, okay? But you gotta stop by in person to be able to buy those tickets or find someone who is uh, selling the tickets because a lot of people have tickets that they're getting out uh, as we speak. But those will be going on sale. Um, now until I think May, and then we'll be doing the drawing in May, okay? Well, let's get into the Word of God. Let's pray together. God, I just thank you for this opportunity to seek your truth um, in, and your wisdom in our relationships and most of all, in our relationship with you. I pray that today, God, as we look at your Word and, and discuss this, um, that we will really have a clear understanding of how you love us how you see us so that we can see and we can be you to other people in Jesus name. Amen. Well, I want to talk about being Jesus and kind of in the context of um, relationships with parents and children. Now, we all have parents and uh, some of us have children, but we are all children of someone. And so we can relate in a way of, of maybe our upbringing with our mom and dad. And a lot of that has a reflection on how we view God. So I want to just challenge all of us as we talk about these things. You might be looking at it from a, a unique perspective. You might be looking at today's message um, of how you were raised by your parents. 
or you might be looking at it on, on, on learning how God sees you as your heavenly father, or you might be looking at it as how you are as a father or a mother to your children, or you might be looking at it as a grandparent and how you are able to impress and challenge and raise up your grandchildren and have an impact on them. So whatever your perspective is, I think that there is uh, some wisdom that God wants for all of us to glean from today, okay? So let's talk about um, children. First of all, Psalm 127 verse three says that children are a blessing and we're called to, to bless them. They are not an inconvenience. They're not a mistake. They're not a hardship. They are a blessing. The Bible says in Psalm 127 verse three, children are a heritage from the Lord offspring, a reward from him. So we see children as a reward from God, that God has rewarded you with this child, uh, whether you're a parent or grandparent, it is a, that child is a blessing. And you have this great privilege to be able to share your life and your heart and your love that you get from God into children and mold them uh, into the image of God. It's just an amazing privilege and an amazing um, journey to be a parent and to have a child, okay? So this, children are a blessing from God, and we're called to bless them, and this is what Jesus did. In Mark chapter 10, listen to this story, verses 13 to 16. It says, people were bringing little children to Jesus to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Jesus was mad. He was angry because his disciples were keeping the children away from him. And he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who has not received the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. So we need to be like children, humble and, um, you know, uh, with faith and trusting. And that's how we come to God. And, and Jesus said this, he took the children uh, in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. And this is, remember Jesus, okay, is the exact representation of God. And so part of what I want to share today is how does God view us as a father and we are his children? How does God look at us? How does he think about us? How does he treat us? How does he see us? And this is a beautiful picture of Jesus looking at the children, putting his arms around them, giving them a hug, putting his hands on them and blessing them. So children are a blessing. God sees children as a blessing. He sees you as a blessing to him. He is he loves you. He is putting his hands upon you and blessing you. He is for you. He is not against you. He doesn't think you're inconvenient to him. He doesn't think you're a pain to him or a hassle to him. He welcomes you. He puts his arms around you. He blesses you. All right. This is the heart of God towards each and every one of us. Now, that might not have been your experience growing up from your earthly father or mother, but that is your heavenly father's heart. He loves you. He's for you. He loves being with you. He wants you near him. He wants you to feel his love and his blessing and his comfort, no matter what you're going through. He is for you. That's his, that's his heart towards you, okay? This is very important because if you are a parent or a grandparent, this is the heart that God wants you to have towards your children and grandchildren, okay? And God wants to heal your heart if you didn't have that experience growing up from your parents or your grandparents. He wants you, your heart to be healed because of his love and how he sees you and how he thinks about you. Okay, this has a profound impact on our relationships. God wants you to have a great relationship with your children. 
He wants you to have a great relationship with your grandchildren. He wants you to have a great relationship with your spouse and your friends, right? But how we see ourselves based on how we have been programmed, right, has a huge impact on how we're able to interact and treat other people. And so I'm praying for healing and freedom for each and every one of us so that we can be Jesus to one another. We can treat one another as Jesus treats us. And Jesus treats us with arms open wide, with compassion and love and blessing. So I want to talk about that today, how you can be Jesus. And when I look at our Heavenly Father, I ask my question as I am a father of five. And I, I ask that question like, how does the, my Father in Heaven, how does God treat me, view me, and, and how am I then, out of that, supposed to be that kind of a father here? How am I to relate to my kids, you know? And how am I to, to, to be, as I get older, how am I to be like a surrogate father to other younger people? Even as a pastor, how am I supposed to be like a spiritual father uh, to people who are, um, you know, looking to me in that role? How can, how can I treat people the way God, as a father, treats me? How can I see people the way God sees me? How can you do that? How can you be Jesus? How can I be Jesus? Because it is the best way to model your relationships is off of who Jesus is and how he treats people, right? And so I want to talk about the difference between blessing and cursing. Blessing and cursing. And our Heavenly Father blesses us. He wants us to be blessed. And as a parent, I would think that one of our key roles is to call forth in our children their true identity, to bless them and to call, them, call forth who they are on the inside, who God made them to be, the gifts and the talents and the personalities and the calling that God has on their life. As a parent, we are to mine that, mine that out of their hearts, to cultivate that image of God in them, to call it forth. And that is a blessing. The opposite, the opposite of that, which is a curse, is to identify our children and to label our children by their sin. To condemn them for their sin and to point that out and say, you're always doing this. You're no good at that. You are a mistake. You are a failure. You're sloppy. You're lazy. You never do anything or whatever. Okay, do you hear what I'm saying? That is cursing our children. And that is labeling our children with the wrong identity, with a sin-based, failure-based identity. And God does not do that for you. Aren't you glad about that? God doesn't look at your sin and says, you know what? You're a liar. You know what? You're a failure. You know what? Uh, you're, you're, you're a mistake. Um, you're not qualified. He doesn't say that to us because there's something bigger going on than our mistakes. There is a righteousness from Christ that is our new identity. As we talked about last week, even with the woman caught in adultery, Jesus didn't label her an adulteress. He saw her, her, her hurt and her need and he released her from her sin and he said, now go and sin no more. That's not who you are because you are a daughter of God, right? You have received mercy. You have received grace. And so God sees who we are made to be in him he doesn't see who we are by our failures and mistakes. Listen, the greatest thing you could do as a parent, a coach, a teacher, 
a mentor, a grandparent, is to call forth the identity, the image of God in your children, in your teammates, you know, in your students, uh, in your grandchildren, in, to, in your friendships. Call forth our Christ identity, okay? That's a blessing, and that's what God does for us. 1 John 3, 1 says, this is who we are. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are, right? I read that verse last week. That's what we are. We're children of God. We belong to Him, right? And uh, I want to give you a simple example of, of how does this play out and how did it play out in my home and how did I learn and grow and change from these things that God was showing me as a parent? Have you ever had this example? Maybe you, if you're a parent or a grandparent, you've had a child and they're, they're just, they're in a bad mood. Maybe they talk back to you. Uh, maybe they're, uh, we don't know, they could be hungry, they could be tired, they could be mad, they could be upset about something. They might not get what they want. And all of a sudden they start to get sour. They begin to be, uh, you know, having a bad attitude. They might, not, they might talk back to us or be defiant or uh, refuse to do what we're asking them to do. And in my early days of parenting, I would, I, this would be a possible scenario for, for our home, okay? And I would say, you just have a bad attitude. You know, you got to get rid of that bad attitude. That's a bad attitude. And I would get angry. I would get pointing. I would be condemning the behavior that I'm seeing. And my, my, my mode of uh, solving the problem was to point out, you know, the attitude and you need to change that attitude. And you know what I found out? <laughs> uh, that never worked. It never worked. Like to meet a bad attitude with a bad attitude or to meet anger with anger or to meet, you know, um, you know, intensity with more intensity, it never worked. And I would see in my kids, you know, response, a hardening of their heart taking place. I would see in their eyes, like, Oh, yeah, you think I got a bad attitude? Well, just watch this. And it would make it worse, right? And how many of you can relate to that, right? We're, we're addressing a problem, but we're really focusing on the behavior and the wrong behaviors. And we're, we're almost like labeling them and saying, this is who you are. You always have a bad, you always do this. You're, you're, you're mean, you're saying that, you should do that. And we're focusing on all the behaviors. You with me? And that doesn't work. And that's not what God does. Oh man, I'm so glad that that's not how God treats me. When I sin, when I'm hurting and I do something out of my hurt, something out of my pain, something out of my rejection, and I do something stupid or wrong or sinful, God doesn't just come down on me. He doesn't lecture me. He doesn't chew me out. He doesn't put me in a corner and just, you know, uh, but he, he is looking for the deeper solution, Right? And sometimes we have these symptoms out here, right? We have the symptoms, the behavior, the bad attitude. It's a symptom, but it's not the real problem. The problem is the soul. As I was talking about last week, it's something down on the inside. There's always a reason why we do what we, we do. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do comes from it. So what's, what's that saying is everything on the outside is coming from something on the inside. That's what Jesus said. Even our words, our actions, our attitudes, our behaviors, our decisions that are made on the outside that are visible to everybody else are actually coming from an invisible interior place of hurt or pain 
or greed or pride or lust or offense or rejection. It's coming from something on the inside. And here's the greatest thing we can do. If we want to be Jesus, the way Jesus would handle our situation, the way he handled the woman caught in adultery, was not to focus on the exterior behavior or the symptom, but he always goes inside to the soul, doesn't he? He wants to heal our soul. He wants to heal our hurt. That's the real problem. And when our soul is healed, the sin is taken care of. It changes. It dissipates. It goes away. If there's no longer any rejection in my heart, then my, my outside rejection of others begins to disappear. There's no reason for me to do that anymore. If there's no more uh, anger and unforgiveness in my heart inside, then the, the, the violence or the bitterness on the outside goes away because there's no reason for it anymore. There's no root anymore. It shrivels up and goes away. And so the same thing for parenting and grandparenting and how God wants to do in you and in me is anything on the inside that is out of order, hurt, broken, painful, right? God wants to do that. He wants to focus on that. And so I just, I just think it's great that God is not focused our identity on the outside, but on the inside of who he is. Now, this is not an exhaustive list, but I just... I just found a bunch of scriptures. I've got 20 statements I want to make to you on who you are, okay? Who you are. You are a child of God, 1 John 3, 1. You are qualified, Colossians 1, 11 to 13. You are blessed, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. You are saved, John 5, 24. You are reconciled, Romans 5, 10 and 11. You are filled with his spirit, John 14, 17. Your prayers are heard by God, Jeremiah 29, 12 to 13. You are a masterpiece, Ephesians 2, 10. You are gifted, 1 Peter 4, 10. You are new, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You are forgiven, 1 John 1, 9. You are adopted, Ephesians 1, 4 and 5. You are loved, Romans 8, 37 to 39. You are victorious, 1 John 5, 4. You are accepted, Romans 15, 7. You are one with Christ, 1 Corinthians 6, 17. You are free, Romans 6, 6. You are chosen and special, 1 Peter 2, 9. You are commissioned, Matthew 28, uh, 8, 19 and 20. And you are never alone, Hebrews 13, 5. This is just 20 statements that God says about you and how he sees you, what is true, and this is your true identity. God does not call you a, a sinner anymore. He calls you a saint. He doesn't, he doesn't call you rejected. He calls you accepted, right? And you need to know this. This is who you are. And God calls forth out of us our true identity and does not label us as an addict, as a sinner, as a failure, as an adulteress or an adulterer. He doesn't label us according to our mistakes or our sin. And as parents and grandparents, we need to do the same thing. We are not going to label our kids with their failures or with their sin. We are going to call forth their true identity in Christ. Can I get an amen from somebody? 
And if you weren't treated this way when you were growing up, I hope that right now the Holy Spirit is starting to change your mind about who you really are. Then you can let go the labels of sin that has been placed upon you, the labels of your failures and mistakes, because that is not who you are. This is how God summarizes it in 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. We gave that sin away. Jesus took that sin away so that in Jesus, in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Okay? We exchanged our sin for his, Jesus's righteousness. And that's how God sees you. And that's how we need to see our children, our grandchildren, in our relationships and friendships. We need to call forth out of blessing. We want to call forth who we really are in him. We are not to curse. We are to bless. Jesus blesses us. God blesses you. And we are to call forth that blessing in one another, to call forth who we are in him. That's how you be Jesus. Second thing I want to say about this is that God empowers us to success. And we need to be the same as Jesus here. And we need to empower, especially our children and our grandchildren, but all of our friendships and relationships. We need to empower one another for success. We are here to be a blessing. We're not just blessed so that we, we're good. We are blessed to be a blessing. God wants you to be a blessing, an a, a, a empowering force in the lives of those around you. Be Jesus. Build people up. Invest in them and draw out the God in them, the God image in them. The opposite of empowering others around you for success is to be absent or negligent emotionally or mentally or physically to be too distracted, to be too busy, to be too self-centered, to be investing in the people around you. As a parent or a grandparent, listen, we cannot be negligent or distracted or too busy to be negligent in our emotional support, our mental support, our physical presence with our children. Our children need us. God is with us. How does God treat you? He's with you. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He's with us and he empowers us and he blesses us. So the first time we see the word blessing in the Bible is Genesis 128. I'm going to read this verse for you and I'm going to kind of play with it a little bit with the Hebrew understanding, okay? It says, and God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. All right, so we always think of this as a command and it is a command but it's actually the blessing that God gives us. I want you to think about this differently. Instead of saying, uh, instead of viewing this ver verse as like, God is like, you shall do this and you got to do that and you got to do this. No, no, no. Listen how the context is. It says God blessed them and with the blessing that he's giving them, this is how it came across. I'm going to read to you kind of the, the context of the Hebrew. Okay, I'm going to read it to you differently. And he is blessing them. That's what that word means. He is blessing them, God, and he is saying to them, be fruitful, you increase and fill you the earth and subdue her and sway her. And so it's like God is saying, I'm blessing you and empowering you to be fruitful. And now you're able to to rule. You're able to increase. You're able to sway. You're able to be like me. And so it's all about blessing and empowering and almost like anointing us 
with, with this ability that God has. And so God is blessing us with these abilities. It's more like that than it is like a command, like you better do this. It's not like that. It's like God, and God blessed them and said to them, now you're able to be fruitful. Go get it, right? Now you're able to increase. Go for it. Now you're able to subdue and sway the earth and rule over it like I have put inside of you. Now go for it. And this is such an encouraging parental, grandparental uh, way to raise children, to bring them up, to empower them, to encourage them and to say, you can do it. I'm going to give you the tools. I'm going to give you the direction. I'm going to cheer you on, but go for it. Come on, you can do this. Watch me, help me. Okay, now it's your turn. I'll help you. All right, now you go for it, right? And that's what we see God doing is trusting us with um, responsibilities and, and encouraging us and empowering us and blessing us, okay? So this is the feel of this passage. And so um, things like this, telling our kids and our grandkids, I believe in you. You got this. You're ready. You have this within you. I see leadership in you. You have a heart for people. God has gifted you musically. Oh, you're so good with people. And we're calling out those gifts that we see. We're identifying and we're cheering and empowering our children to be who God made them to be. That's blessing. But cursing is to not be saying those things, is to be absent, is to be so busy that you're, you might be in the home, but you're, you have no emotional energy you know, that's going towards your kids because you're too tired or you're too distracted with just your own stuff. Because this is a hands-on relationship-building model that God gives us. And I want to challenge you. God equips us with his word and his spirit to be successful and with his presence, right? Um, God's word, for instance, Joshua 1.8 says, All scriptures God breathed and is useful. Well, that's not Joshua 1.8. That's 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3.16-17 says, All scriptures God breathed. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So God doesn't give us his word to um, give us a bunch of rules. God is equipping us with his word so we're trained and we're successful in every good work. You see, God is purposely to empower us with his word and his spirit. Joshua 1.8 says, you know, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night so that you're careful to do all that is written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. God wants you to be prosperous and successful. As parents, we want our kids to be prosperous and successful. So we empower them. We teach them. We train them. We're hands on with them like God is with us. And so as we do this, God is focused on the inside job. And I just want to challenge you with this thought as a parent, grandparent, okay? Sometimes I think that we, we think that as parents, our goal is to gain our children's compliance to our rules. I know this was my early parenting style. My goal was to get my kids to follow my rules. But I was missing something pretty big that that's actually not the ultimate goal is to get them to follow all my rules. When they break the rules, you know, I got I to gotta discipline them or punish them. I got to make them comply. I got to get them to follow my rules. That's actually a wrong perspective. Instead, I see what God is doing for me and for you 
is he is shaping our hearts. It's more about getting on the inside than it is getting compliance on the outside. If we get compliance on the outside, but on the inside the heart is hurt or the heart is hard, we've lost. We've lost a relationship. You know, we're, we, we've damaged the, the, the whole purpose of parenting or grandparenting or that relationship. Sometimes we do this in friendships. We're trying to get people to comply to what we want, how we think things should be. But what we need to be doing is we need to be going below the surface and we need to be shaping the heart, healing the heart, healing the soul. And the outside stuff would take care of itself. If the heart is healed, if the heart is whole, the outside stuff will line up eventually, right? And that's something I learned that I wish I could go back and undo, but it is what it is. I, I didn't do it right at the beginning. I shared some of that a couple weeks ago, but God is teaching me how to do that with other people now. That it's not about just getting everybody to do the, the right things. It's about getting our hearts to know who we are in Christ and getting the assurance and the security and the healing and the freedom that we need on the inside, Right? from the things that have affected us throughout life, that will eventually work its way out to the outside and we'll have different fruit, better fruit, and better actions, better behaviors, better attitudes, better words, better decisions from a heart that's whole, healed, and free and full of God, not full of pain, not full of hurt. And so as, as a parent, our job really is about molding the heart. So I have some, some Play-Doh here. And the Bible uses the concept of, of clay. Um, in Isaiah chapter uh, uh, 64, verse 8, says this, Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. And you know what God is doing as a father? Because we are clay, he wants to mold and form us into his image. And while we were deformed by sin, God is reforming us, reconforming us into the image of his son. The Bible says that that is his, his desired purpose for our lives, is to form us into his image. It says here in Romans 8, 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And so God is actually like still a, a potter, he is still forming us. And do you see what it takes to, to form clay or to form some Play-Doh here? It takes a hand-on approach, right? And as parents, we need to be hands-on in helping form the heart of our kids. And we should be the same in all of our relationships. We should care about each person's heart, not just care or be concerned by the outside appearance or the outside behaviors. Because everything's coming from the heart. And as God's instruments, when we are Christ to one another, we're actually trying to help heal and reform and conform one another's heart in the image of God. We're looking for freedom and healing and, and love and acceptance to come in. And so sometimes in this world, we got other sources that are deforming us, right? Someone says something and it, and it hurts us. It it brings an attitude, brings a pain. And we need other people to help us with God's help to reform us into God's image. And say, oh, no, 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 that's not true. That's not who you are. You know, this is who you are. And as parents, this is so important for us to be hands-on with our children. So this is how the Bible describes it. Deuteronomy chapter 6, 
verses 6 to 9. God says, these commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. They'll be on your hearts. And it says, impress them on your children. And this impress is, again, a word that is, is, is kind of from this discipline of pottery making. It's where you're pressing in. You're molding in with your hands. You're pressing in. It says, impress these commands on your children. Now, this is not a religious thing. This isn't like, all right, son and daughter, here's what the Bible says, and you have to do it this way. It's not what this is all about. This is a life book. The Bible is God's wisdom for life. It is blessing. It is counsel. It is how we come alive. So we're pressing into them, not just scriptures. No, we're pressing into them life, life, a relationship with God, not just dry religion, not just, you know, verses out of the Bible, but the real meaning of those things that go into our heart. And we're, we, we need to be able to communicate these things uh, in a way that brings life to our kids, right? So the Bible says, press these things into your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In other words, God's word, his way, his truth, his life should be embedded in everything that we do. That there isn't a separation of secular and, and uh, you know, the sacred. There isn't like our faith is over here on Sunday mornings, but the rest of our life we live over here, okay? It's like this is an all-encompassing integrated faith. It, God's word and God's presence and the Holy Spirit impacts everything that we do. All the, all the mundane activities of life and all the, all the exciting activities of life, every part, every facet of our life is, is just um, woven into our faith, right? And this is the best way to parent is to live it, is to live it, to live God's life, to live God's word, and to be Jesus. And so this is uh, my challenge to you, is to be that kind of example, to be Jesus to your kids. I want to close just with a reflection on another one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It comes from Luke chapter 15. Again, this helps me see how God sees me. I'm so thankful that God does not identify me by my sin, but he identifies me by his son. And God does not identify you by your sin, but he identifies you by his son and his relationship to you through his son, that you are now a child of God. And this story is found in Luke chapter 15. And I'm just going to summarize it for you. And you can read about it in verses um, 11 to 21. And it's sometimes called the prodigal son. But I've heard other people in the recent years start referring to it as the parable of the Father's love. I like that better. It really is about the Father's love. And you've probably heard this story before, but there was two sons of a wealthy man who one of the sons said, Father, I want my inheritance now. It's a very insulting thing to do, to, to ask for an inheritance from your father while he was alive, because that meant I'm done with you. I want nothing to do with your family. I, I want to do my own thing. But his father gave him his inheritance. He took off. He spent everything he had on wild living. He was living a sinful life. And he came to the end of his rope. He had nothing left. And where he was, everything was falling apart. There's a famine in the land. 
Uh, he, he got a, a, a job feeding pigs. Nobody would give him anything. Nobody was helping him. He lost all of his friends. He lost all of his uh, resources. He had nothing left. And the Bible says when he came to a census, you know, and some of us as parents were waiting for that moment to happen for some of our kids, right? For them to come to their census. Because he left. And he, he rejected his family. He rejected the love that he had. But the Bible says when he came to his senses, he said to himself, you know what? Even the servants in my father's house have it better than what I have it. I'm going to go home. I'm going to plead my case. I'm going I'm to tell my father that I'm sorry that I sinned against him. And if he will just receive me as a slave, as a servant, then at least I'll have something to eat and I'll have a place to stay, right? And here's what the Bible says. I want to read this for you. And Jesus is telling this story. And this gives us a picture of God's view of you and your view that you need to have of other people, especially your children, especially if they're wayward or, or sinning or making bad decisions. Okay, this is God's approach to you and our approach to one another. It says in verse 20, So the son got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with, what do you think he was filled with? The Bible says he was filled with compassion. He wasn't filled with anger. He wasn't filled with indignation or a lecture, you know, or I told you so, or sarcasm or bitterness. The Bible says he was filled with compassion. He was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him. And he welcomed him home. And this is our Father in heaven. Even when we fail, even when we sin, what does he want? He wants us. He wants us back. He wants to have a relationship with us. He doesn't hold our sin against us. That's one of the characteristics of love, is not keeping a record of wrongs, right? Never giving up, always protecting, always loving. Right? Always hoping, always persevering. That's the Father's love for you. And may that be the Father's love in you. For your kids, for your grandkids, for your friends, may you be Jesus. May you extend that same mercy. May you get excited like the Bible talks about God getting excited for one lost sinner who comes home. All the angels in heaven celebrate for that one person that returns home because God is all about reconciling our relationships with him. And he wants us to reconcile our relationships with one another. Can't happen unless we have his love and his heart for one another that we can forgive and we can rejoice and celebrate that while the behaviors and the outside behaviors and, and attitudes and things have hurt us and have been wrong, there is a soul that can be healed and we can be restored. Isn't that beautiful? So I just want to pray for you as we wrap this uh, message up. And first of all, I want to invite you to make Jesus the Lord of your life. The Bible says in this same chapter, in Luke chapter 15, he's talking about sheep. And he says, you know, how many of you, if you had a hundred sheep and one of those sheep got lost, wouldn't you leave the 99 that are safe and secure and go and look for that one sheep? And if you found that sheep, you would rejoice and be so excited that you found that sheep. And Jesus, that is the Father's heart, that he is seeking the lost. 
And he said, that's why I've come. I didn't come to condemn. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. And Jesus announces his intentions towards you. He says, listen, you have walked away. You have run away from me, but I am pursuing you. I am searching for you. And right now in your heart, if you know that God, God is searching out for you and you need him, he is like the father with open arms waiting for you to turn to him and run towards you and rejoice in your return to put his arms around you, to kiss you and to welcome you back into his family. And if that's your heart, I just want to lead you in a prayer. And I want to celebrate with all the angels of heaven today with you, with your decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life. All right, let's do it. Let's pray. Let's just say this simple, simple prayer together. Jesus, thank you that you have never given up on me, that you died on a cross. You shed your blood to pay for my sin so I could be forgiven and I could return home. I'm all yours. Jesus, today, I make you the Lord of my life. I place my faith in you as my Savior. Fill me with your spirit so I have the power to live in this new life and this new identity that you have given me today. Thank you for loving me. I'm all yours in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, I just celebrate with you and all the angels in heaven that Jesus says celebrates when one person returns home to him because he loves you and he made you to be with him forever. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. So let's get to know him. Get your Bible out. Keep learning. Keep growing. Get around some good Christian friends so that you can keep growing in your faith. And if you're struggling in relationships right now, just remember this. When you see yourself the way God sees you, you're going to be more able to be able to see other people that way. And when God heals your heart as he, as he longs to, then you can actually be part of that blessing to others and you can heal them. Can I give you just a couple of blessing tips? In the Jewish practice, the father and mother will bless their children on Shabbat every Friday night. And they will put their hands on their children and they will bless them. And they do that and they speak the Lord's blessing over them, which I'm about to speak over you, which I do every service. But in addition to that, they also bless their children on bar and bat mitzvah, depending on if it's a boy or a girl, when they turn 13 years old, and they speak a blessing on them as well for that special occasion. They also do a blessing on their children at their wedding ceremony and other special occasions. And we need to be blessing our children and blessing one another. One of the things that I do in our family is, uh, you know, we try to daily bless our kids by recognizing things that they're doing right and well and saying, hey, you did a good job on that. Hey, I see that in you. Hey, I love that right there. And celebrating those good things that our kids are doing. But also every birthday, we get our family together and all of us go around and affirm who we see that individual to be. And we pull out, we call forth the God parts of their life. And we challenge them to step into those areas. And we acknowledge, you know, the good qualities that we see in them that come from God. And we try to applaud those things. We try to build those things up. And, I, and then I, I'll pray a blessing on, uh, on that person for this coming year. And I also long and look forward to the day to do a blessing on the wedding day 
of all of my kids. But we also have a special blessing that we do with our children when they turn 16. And we do a rite of passage where I lay my hands on my kids. I give them a sword that symbolizes they're walking into the responsibility of the kingdom of God to bear their role in the kingdom of God. And we put our hands on our kids and we speak blessing and we speak over them all who God has called them to be. And we release those saints in them and we call those saints forward. And I want to encourage you to bless people, to bless your kids, to be proactive about blessing. It's easy to start cursing. It's easy to start criticizing. It's easy to focus on the negative, but we are called to bless, okay? So as I bless you with this, know that God is the one who's blessing you and you are blessed to be a blessing. So you are, you are receiving the blessing of the Lord. Now go and be a blessing and bless people with your words. Bless people. Call out uh, you know, the God image in, in one another. And so now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in his name. God bless you. I love you. Hope to see you soon. Have a great week and be a blessing. Be Jesus.